0: We're going to be looking at a really different kind of Scripture this morning. It is Leviticus 7.15. I'll begin our series on faith, what faith is, and there are many different passages about faith. I think it's one of the things we need to really lay hold of today. We'll begin that next week. But this morning, as I've been kind of thinking through just different texts that might help us into the new year, as you see this table set before you, uh, Leviticus 7:15 because it is at the kind of in the middle of a passage about a certain offering that God's people made in the Old Testament that I will tell you about in just a minute this is the word of God the meat of his fellowship or peace offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered He must not leave it until the morning. Now, let me ask you a question. When it comes to worship, is worship ever a party? Is the word party, should the word party ever be associated with worship? Well, that depends on who you ask. You know, some people will say, absolutely not. That is not a valid word to associate with worship. Party? Are you, giving, are you kidding me? This is the Almighty? Well, if you ask this question of the Bible, in Leviticus chapter 7, the answer resoundingly is yes. That worship actually is a festive celebration of God's grace. Now, some people are very nervous with this kind of language associated with the worship of the Almighty, especially some of us Presbyterians. We're a wee little bit nervous because of the exaltation of the majesty and greatness and sovereignty of God that's so close to our hearts and the three times holiness of God and deep reverence and a sense of of awe of the Deity. And respect for God that needs to happen in worship. Rightly so. But I will tell you, dear brothers and sisters, that Christian worship, truly Christian worship, is a celebration. It is a festival, a respectful one, but a joyful one. And as we move into the year 2011, I would just say this before we we look at this, this festival, this feasting, this party dimension of worship. I would say let us honor God in the fear of the Lord. Let us see Him as the one who is majestic and high and lifted up and sovereign over all. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God and we are the sheep of His pasture. Uh, in Christ, let us celebrate, however, the peace that we have with that God, that holy God, that that God of, of greatness and glory, and let us celebrate it and ask God to give us a more unbounded celebration in two thousand and eleven Look, if worship is a celebration, and if God is giving us an opportunity together with Him in corporate worship and in private worship to rejoice. And let our rejoicing just resound. Let's ask Him for more celebration, not less celebration of grace in 2011. And join in with me today in this this festival meal where we will enjoy fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, and a party of grace. Now, I want to show you the celebrating dimension of the Lord's Supper, and I'm not going to do it the way you normally do it. Normally, what you do is you use the New Testament words for the Lord's Supper, and uh, the one that you particularly would seize on if you were trying to, to talk about the joy of the Lord's Supper would be the Greek word eucharitzo, which means joyful thanksgiving. That this is the, the, the giving thanks. This is the gratitude. This is the thanksgiving. This is the kind of joy that comes from something we have received. But what I'd rather do, rather than camping out on the word Eucharitzo, is I'd like to, to look back into, into the Old Testament to a kind of forerunner of the Lord's Supper. It's called the fellowship offering or the peace offering. It's called both of those. various scholars interpret the Greek word, or the Hebrew words, rather, for this particular offering as fellowship offering and peace offering. And what's interesting about this offering is it is an offering that the worshiper himself elected to bring. In other words, it's not required of God. It's a response to something that we go into the presence of the Lord with a, an animal sacrifice and something beautiful. Like a party happens before the Lord God, the covenant God, meeting with his people. In essence, the peace offering was not an offering to gain peace with God through blood sacrifice. That's the burnt offering or the sin offering. Now, the peace offering was a response to having peace with God. Coming back into the temple to celebrate and enjoy and and have festival with God because of that fellowship and that relationship with God. The peace offering often was used as a way to celebrate and mark some event of God's faithfulness, some deliverance of God in our lives or in the nation. Yes, we will, me and my family, we will go and sacrifice the, the peace offering, the fellowship offering, some special occasion where we are deeply moved and want to express to God a great thanksgiving and, 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 and express nearness and seek nearness to God. Now, the peace offering, like the other offerings, was an animal sacrifice that came out of the herd. And like the other offerings, the meat was cooked on the altar. And I won't go into all the details about blood and fat right now and how kind of things were separated out in these offerings... But the meat was sacrificed or cooked on the altar. Now, when you think of the temple and you think of the, you know, the, the, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and all these offerings, the grain offerings, all the cooking going on in the temple, you know, how can I give you uh, some kind of equivalent to what you, how you might experience this today? The best I can do is that walking by the temple during worship had a, a very similar sensory experience as walking by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse during dinner. That's how the temple smelled. It smelled like a steakhouse because it was incredibly choice, prime, you might say, you know, the best of the herd, offering, meat offered and being cooked on, on the altar before God. And the fellowship offering was different from the burnt offering because when, when the burnt offering for sin was given, it was for God alone. And the whole offering was consumed before the Lord. But the peace offering or the fellowship offering was different. And in being different, it's kind of like what we're about to enter into here in the beginning of this new year as we spend time with God around this table. You see, the the fellowship or peace offering was the only offering where you gave the offering to the priest. And all the things they did with the dividing up of of the the meat and everything, a part of the offering was giving to the priest. And if you'll look in that, passage in Leviticus that I directed you to, uh, you'll see which parts. The fat was offered to the Lord, and the, the rest of the animal was given back to the person that offered it. This is different. This is different. And the peace offering was the only offering in Israel where the bread that you ate was leavened and not unleavened. Meaning, you're going to get some steak back from God to enjoy and you're going to get really beautiful, wonderful yeast bread from God when you bring your your offering to the temple. In fact, we read in Leviticus 7, 13 same chapter along with his fellowship offering of thanksgiving which would be like eucharitzo in the in the new testament along with his fellowship offering of thanksgiving he is to present an offering with cakes of bread made with yeast can you smell that yum you know Um, sister schubert (laughs) in the temple okay it's all it's all like crackers except you know it's all unleavened uh, like matzahs, uh, except for this, this fellowship offering or this, this peace offering. Now, let me tell you what would happen. You basically would give this offering. You would worship. They would divide it all up. The fat would go up, would be burned and go up as, as a fragrant um, smell before God. A part of it would be set aside for the priests. The rest of it, the family would be directed to a very special area, they would be seated, and that 's when the party would start. The priest would sit down with them. The priest, the family, and God himself would all enter into a festival, a festive meal, a kind of a kind of party and you got to understand um, in that culture you didn't you just didn't go to nice rest you didn't go to nice restaurants, you know I mean. You know people were 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 on more on the poor side normally in that culture, not on the wealthy side. There were wealthy people, but the majority of people were more on the poor side. They ate very simple food, they did not go they did not eat their food in in what you would call nice places, and so to go to the temple to be given this incredible cooked by the priests on the altar of God, steaks if you will, I'm just calling it steaks, to be ushered into this beautiful room like you've never had a meal before, to have the, the, the yeast rolls brought in, probably some wine brought in, and to sit down with the priests and your family and worship God and feast and, and rejoice and, and just have a kind of uh, just joy. Um, and, and not only because you're, you're grateful to God, but even the sensory experience of wow, this is special. God wants me to have this. This is beautiful. God, you are so good. Just reinforcing the grace of God in, in so many ways by the five senses in this beautiful meal. Uh, speaking of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, um, from time to time I go there for lunch, which would be the preferred time to go there uh, when you get your bill. And uh I like there's an area in that steakhouse that, that I really like, and maybe some of you have been to it. Um, you can go and they've got these huge booths. And what's so cool is you can it's right when you walk in, turn right and they're on the left, if you want everyone ever want to do this. What's so cool is you sit down and you can close the curtains. And like the you know, the, the waiter or waitress comes in through the curtain to bring whatever, you know, it is they're supposed to bring. But you know what's great about it is you go into this place, it's just beautiful, it smells like the temple, and you go, you know, you get to go into this private chamber, kind of like the Israelites were ushered. They close the curtain, and Gina and I have got our own private party going on in Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. This is awesome, you know? That's, but more so, so much more so, the way it was Let me read our text again because there's one other thing in the text that shows us kind of a a marker of joy, of festival, of party. From Leviticus 7 and 15, which is what I read to you beginning this message, it's what scholars call the, the, the law of leftovers. The law of leftovers. The meat of his fellowship or peace offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. Leave none till morning. Meaning, I mean, look, you know how big a cow is, right? And a little part gets taken to the priest, like the thigh or something. Now, you'll have to read it. I, I read it this week and I, it's, it's there. Um, you, the fat's burned to God. You get the rest. I mean, yeah, like you and your wife are going to eat a whole cow and you're going to throw out the rest. No, what you actually were able to do in the peace offering, this is incredible, is bring your whole family and and invite as many friends as you wanted to invite. How fun is this? Hey, we're taking a cow over to the (laughs) the temple today. We want you to come. We're going into the the private chamber. They're going to pull the curtain. We're going to be all in there. We're going to have our steak, our wine, our... Sister Schubert Rose, we're going to be with God. We're going to rejoice in grace. We're going to be with one another. This is great. Aren't, don't you want to be there? Or would you rather eat in your little hovel tonight? I'll be there. I'll be there. It's a celebration. Maybe like we can't really even imagine because of the difference between the, the beauty and wonder of the temple versus anywhere else they would be able to go. In that culture, a celebration, a party around the table fellowship with God, fellowship with Yahweh God and with one another. But lest you get nervous, there is deep, deep reverence in this worship as well. You see, the peace offering could only be offered after the burnt offering and the grain offering. In other words, you you couldn't just keep coming into the temple to party at the table and and not bring the other offerings. You always had to go back to the burnt offering first, followed by the grain offering second. And um, it was the burnt offering where the lamb or the, the animal was slain and placed on the altar for the forgiveness of sins. Whole person, whole animal, Forgiveness, total sacrifice. The focus of the burnt offering is the holiness of God and only through the shedding of blood and the offering of the entire animal to God was there an expiation or a putting away of sin for the worshiper. So, look, when, when that's happening, you're not eating Sister Schubert rolls and steak around the table. You're saying, God, I cannot believe that you, a holy, holy, holy God, will accept me on the basis of that animal slain and burning on the altar today. Thank you, God. I don't deserve it. It's called grace. It's a substitutionary sacrifice. That's what grace is about. It's somebody else paying the price and you getting a relationship with God. And so you don't go, woo, party before the burnt offering. You're on your face before God in deep contrition and gratitude and wonder and reverence before this holy God in the burnt offering. And then the meal offering or the grain offering would come later. And what that was, was a sign of deep dependence on God in every dimension of your life. It was a dedication, a serious dedication to God of your life. You are king, you are savior, I am yours. I'm giving myself and this grain is representative. So there's, there's, there, is that, there is that sense of reverence there is that sense of the fear of God. There is that sense of the awe of the Almighty and the I-can't-believe-it of grace. And you could not come into the special area and eat the steak, the sister sheep rolls, and drink the wine with you and all your, your family unless you had been on your face before God as your sins were burned up in the person of an animal first. Unless you had put your own grain on the altar and said, I will put my own food on the altar. I will show you my dependence on you. I will dedicate my life to you. You are king. I will follow you. Then you went to say, Thank you, God, for all of that. And I want to celebrate with you. It's a beautiful, beautiful celebration. The word in... The word peace offering means wholeness. It's a celebration of wholeness or completeness or acceptance. The reason it's translated by some people peace offering and the reason it's translated by other people fellowship offering is depend, depends on how you translate that Hebrew word. If it, if it means completeness, that's like the peace offering offering. Um, You know, there is a completeness in this peace with God. Uh, If it is about full acceptance, you know, like complete acceptance, that would also be peace with God, but it would also signify fellowship with the Almighty. It's just a beautiful thing. And, And please understand, they didn't make this up. God Himself said, come party with me. Come celebrate with me, with your family With your friends, because you are made whole through my grace. Because you have fellowship with me, the holy God, through the substitutionary sacrifice of those animals, which we know only pictured, only covered over, we read in the book of Hebrews, until Christ would come and offer once and for all the sacrifice that literally would do away with our sins forever. Before a holy God, and he would not be sacrificed over and over like lambs. He would sacrifice himself, sprinkle his own blood on the mercy seat in the temple, in the holiest of holies in heaven, and sit at the right hand of God and give salvation freely and fully to all who ask for it. Just by sheer grace, it's done. If you've put your trust in Christ, then you understand the burnt offering. You understand the cross, and it is finished, meaning it is completely finished. You understand the grain offering. You understand take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. If you put your trust in Christ, you also understand the peace offering. And this table that we have before us helps us to understand the peace offering Alan Ross, who has written extensively on this, says it was not a sacrifice made to gain peace with God, but to celebrate peace with God. It was a sacrifice offered in fellowship or communion with God, like communion. The peace, the the, the peace offering symbolized here before you, the fellowship, the communion, The word is koinonia, communion, means fellowship, intimacy, relationship. Um, That is still a response to the sin offering, you see. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of the whole offering given on the cross this is my body is for you this is my blood the blood of the covenant poured out for you for the remission of sins i mean doesn't it just kind of all fit it all together you see a beauty and a symmetry and a purpose old to new testament an incredible reason to really party today around this table to rejoice around this table with god the peace of joy, the joy of the peace offering still is a response to the sin offering, even today. I want you to note the order of 1 Corinthians 5, 7, which we started our, our worship service with. It, with Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Stop. Come. Let us keep the festival. That's the literal rendering. Let us, let, he has died. The sin offering is done. It is finished. Hallelujah. Let us party. Let us keep the festival, the feast. Christ is our peace offering, and it is a serious rejoicing and it is a unbounded rejoicing if we really realize what he has done. I'd like to read a few passages of scripture to you that are very familiar but if I as I read them slow have you ever noticed that sometimes you can hear preaching and then the preacher will read a passage of scripture and things start jumping out you know to you so let me read this slow. Therefore Since we have been justified or declared righteous, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our peace offering. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. Does anybody know the way this ends? Into this grace in which we now stand it's been done. We have received it. Hallelujah. This is where we are. We stand in grace because of his sacrifice. Let's celebrate. In Ephesians 2.13, I won't read the, the whole passage here, but basically the key words are, he himself is our peace. The word communion, of course, means intimate fellowship, and I read to you from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16, which we will quote at the end of the Lord's Supper in a few moments. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Let me say it a different way. Cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the fellowship? Because the word is koinonia, fellowship, like fellowship offering. Is it not the fellowship that we have in the blood of Christ, the bread that we break? Is it not the fellowship, the communion with God that we have in the body of Christ? And that's what we're about to do at the Lord's table. We're about to feast with Christ. We're going to remember we're going to commune. We're going to have fellowship around with, with Christ spiritually being present. We're going to have fellowship and, and, and joy with one another as we look at fellow sinners sitting right down the row from us and we're all sinners who also understand that God no longer holds our sins against us, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the whole offering has been completed and now we're going to do the peace offering and celebrate grace. Alfred Edersheim wrote these words years ago, the most joyous of all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, the most joyous was the peace offering. It was a ritual of happy fellowship with God in which he condescended To become Israel's guest at the festive sacrificial meal. And it symbolizes the truth expressed in this verse in Revelation 3.20. And now you'll really get the meaning of this verse. Here I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, listen to these words, and eat with him and he with me. Here I stand at the door, the risen Savior, and I knock. If anyone puts their trust in me, all that has been accomplished in the cross will be given to them, and what will be left to do is fellowship, and relationship, and love, and we will eat together, which is just about what we're going to do. And so we start 2011 with deep reverence for who God is, and his glory, and majesty, and in sovereignty, in praise. But we also start 2011 with a festival meal, a grace party with God and with one another. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Come, dear brothers and sisters, let us keep the festival. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see the wonder of the words, it is finished, the complete offering for sin that cannot be added to or taken away from. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done and you would like to, you see it. Just pray, Lord, I see it. I can't, take, I can't deal with my own sin before your holy throne. So I want to turn from everything I've called religion and Christianity And I want to put my trust, Jesus, fully in what you have done on the cross for me in completely dealing with my sins. Thank you that even now you have forgiven me of all my sins. Thank you that even now you have come into my life. Lord, I pray that you would cause me to always celebrate this grace. Lord, there are many of us that have walked with you. We find ourselves at New Year a little foggy about your grace. We find ourselves not as able to celebrate as we would like to. Would you take us back to the cool, clear headwaters of grace? And would you cause us to rejoice in thanksgiving and festive joy around your table today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.